0: Thanks for listening to Marketing B2B Tech, the podcast from Napier, where you can find out what really works in B2B marketing today. Welcome to Marketing B2B Technology, the podcast from Napier. Today I'm joined by Jody Ceratani. Jody's the VP of Marketing at Roleworks. So welcome to the podcast, Jody.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Mike. I'm excited to be here.
0: So, Joni, tell me a bit about your career journey. It seems really interesting. You you started off like studying psychology and then went into marketing. Tell me how you ended up in marketing and and then ultimately got to Roleworks.
1: Yeah, so I think back on that, on those college years, I remember very little, honestly, Mike, about the individual classes that I took in my psychology journey, but I do think that college taught me very much about how to learn and definitely exposed me to a ton of people. I did a number of different things outside of college. I managed a women's resource and action center. I did some independent research. I was a TA, etc. cetera. And um, over the years, I've been told that my velocity of learning is one of my biggest strengths. And that sort of skill isn't really decoupled from my people skills. So I think I I tend to have a flexible approach when it comes to different people, a different approach for different people. And I tend to get people very quickly. My husband actually says I have a knack for difficult people. And I think that's just meaning that I, I tend to connect with and find ways to understand and motivate different people. And I think that core, that velocity of learning coupled with a people instinct allows me to nail a foundation in B2B marketing that's necessary. And that is to really understand what is going to motivate people to take action. So I think that, that, that journey starting in psychology and, and the little nuances to that, that early part of my education definitely did help set me up for success, but maybe slightly less literally than one might imagine from someone with my background. So. I think I, I ended up in, in lead gen or demand generation. I run all of marketing now, but I definitely can't unring the demand gen bell. I definitely have that orientation and probably will always be looking to create you know revenue for our company. So I, I, I spent a number of years in the latter part of, of college doing independent research. And I quickly learned through that experience that I am way too impatient. Uh, for that line of work. And I really needed to be in a career where the effort that I was making, even on a daily basis, was connected to impact, important impact, right away. So in in research, as I'm sure you're aware, you know, you can do many years of conducting the research, and then it takes many years to publish and create impact. And that just wasn't going to work for me. So it was very obvious to me, I needed to to shift into a, a career where that could be possible. And that's very much the nature of demand gen and B2B marketing these days. So as far as how I ended up at Roleworks, I'm lucky and blessed to have worked with a number of very talented people over the years. And one of those individuals, a fellow by the name of Mike Stalker was at Roleworks and he reached out and shared just the details of the the company and really inspired me with how incredible the culture was, how incredible the leadership was and really the potential of this space. So that was kind of the initial hook. But beyond that, I have learned uh, about myself that I have a particular passion for helping other marketers, you know, peers, people in my role or aspiring to be in my role really earn the seat at the table. And I think one of the direct ways to do that is to allow those individuals to make an impact on the business and to prove that impact. And so ABM and Roleworks and sort of our charter very much connects into that uh, personal ambition that I have. So it was a bit of a combination, I suppose, of getting that endorsement from Mike and some of those key elements of the, the business model, leadership culture, et cetera, but then also being a company where I could continue to pursue that personal passion of mine.
0: That sounds awesome, and and I love the way that you talked a lot about the company culture as a reason to join, but, you know, you also seem very enthusiastic about what the company actually does. So can you just tell listeners who don't know um, what Roleworks does? I mean, what uh, what do you offer customers?
1: Yeah, so we offer our customers what we call a a no-nonsense account-based marketing platform that drives uh, efficient revenue growth at B2B companies. It's a bit of a mouthful, but that's kind of a fancy way of saying that we make B2B revenue generation through marketing tangible, scalable and less expensive uh, than ever before. So so that's kind of the gist.
0: And how are you doing that? Are you serving ads to particular companies or, or what's the approach when you say account based marketing? So there's a lot of martech companies doing different things in the ABM space.
1: For sure. So there are a lot of point solutions that are focused on kind of an account-based approach or a fit-focused approach. Roleworks, you know, as that platform, we sort of are that end-to-end solution. Helping folks realize the promise of ABM and the promise of ABM is, is efficient by nature because we're focused primarily, if not exclusively, on the accounts that are most likely to purchase in the near term and be most valuable to your business in terms of the average deal size, and their fit as a customer, and therefore their longevity as a customer. And additionally, the promises of ABM are really connected with sales and the rest of the go-to-market team. It is multi-channel and highly, or what I like to call, hyper-relevant messaging across your different uh, channels. And it allows you to measure all these different initiatives in a single platform. So I think simply put, we help folks identify their best fit accounts to go after, reach those accounts through ads and then a variety of other uh, marketing and sales channels, and then measure all of that impact to top and, and bottom line metrics in, a, in kind of a single destination.
0: That's perfect, that's a, that's a great overview. I'd like to unpack it a bit. You, you said um, something which I think a lot of marketers would have picked up, that you find accounts that are most likely to actually um, spend money and also like to spend the most. So that seems like two different things there. You're looking at intent and you're looking at fit. Can you talk about how Roleworks does that?
1: Yeah, so in in intent data, what what it means to to Roleworks, sometimes people um, use intent, the word intent to describe first party activities that they're able to track at the account level. Some analysts use that term. For Roleworks, we separate intent as a third party pool of data and then engagement as that first party pool of data. So it's true that we have incredible capability to connect into all the sources of activity data on the person and the account level and make sense of it. So a lot of times marketers, we have different systems of record across marketing and sales. We've got our website that there's certain activities, we've got our marketing automation platform, perhaps we have a sales outreach tool, et cetera. And then additionally, our buyers are engaging with the rest of the, the web, right, which oftentimes is invisible to us. And so RollWorks has this incredible ability to be able to pull all of that data across the web, as well as all of your first-party activity sources, and pull it up to the account level, whether they're, it's an anonymous individual that's acting or whether it's a known individual, we can tie that up to the account record and therefore have a complete understanding of all the activities that you might value um, as a business. So that's extremely powerful for our customers uh, because, as you said, it's not just about the fit. That's a a great starting point, but it's also about their readiness. So looking across first and third party data to really understand their interests their readiness, their willingness to buy, whether the timing is right, and their affinities as a company can allow you to do a whole slew of things that are really exciting in terms of prioritizing the right accounts and then acting on those accounts in a really relevant way.
0: That's great. I'm just interested, you mentioned, you know, obviously that Roleworks sits in an environment with a lot of other tools and, and is pulling in first party data maybe from the, the market information platform and pulling in third party data. De- I, I mean, integrations must be a huge part of what you do. How do you make sure you integrate with the products your customers need? Because it seems like every day there's a whole you know wave of new marketing technology products that you probably need to integrate with.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we've made the, the deliberate choice as a vendor, as a solution, to, to really support a composable tech stack versus trying to build one tool to rule them all. And that's kind of unique in our space. Our, our competitors are, are really trying to disrupt and in many cases replace a lot of the other, the MarTech and sales tax solutions. But we find that when we talk to our customers, they are really intolerant of kind of the switching costs or the, the cost of ripping and replacing what they already are using. And to be honest, they believe that their needs are unique, and so they want to select, you know, the, the individual tools and technologies that fit their unique needs as opposed to purchasing a behemoth tool that, that maybe have subpar or, or just slightly misfit capabilities when it comes to, say, email marketing or, or other things. So, yes, integrations are very important to us. Uh, they're very important to our solution. And you're right, I think, I'm not sure what it is now. Is it 9,000 Martech yeah, solutions? Something like that. <laughs> solutions, yeah. and that's just on the marketing yeah. side. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. So it's not rocket science, honestly, uh, Mike. We're, we're just constantly conducting customer interviews and really trying to understand who are the core technologies that our customers are using in order to support their account-based motion or their kind of demand gen 2.0, revenue marketing, whatever you want to call it. So certain things are definitely going to be core, like a marketing automation platform. We've got rich integrations with sort of the largest marketing automation platforms, gifting tools, intent sources, et cetera. And and we make decisions about who to integrate with. I think we have 27 integration partners at this point, which is is pretty beefy um, and definitely checks all of those core boxes that our customers need to and want to see. And, and those integrations continue to be, or partnerships continue to be formed and, uh, and we'll sort of always be on that journey.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you uh, keep a few developers busy with all those integrations.
1: Absolutely.
0: So what I'm really interested in finding out is who typically works with Roleworks? Do you have a, a typical customer or is it a range of people that use the product?
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a range, but neatly in in two camps. So we we like to say that we have two solutions and two audiences that are the right fit for those two solutions. On the one end, sort of on the upper end of the mid-market and into the enterprise, we offer what most people see as the most sophisticated targeted ad uh, platform on the market. And and that typically suits the needs of, of a B2B company that's in technology, manufacturing, um, uh, business or financial services. And they're really looking for sort of the, the Ferrari of, of ads. Most of the time it's within an ABM practice, but they believe that advertisements is the most cost-effective way to sort of reach and engage, convert, accelerate, et cetera, uh, their, their business. And so they're really focused on that sort of channel and the offer that we have within that channel. And then on the other end, sort of on the other side of the market, we offer what I have said and we like to say is that no-nonsense ABM solution for growth-oriented, small-to-medium-sized businesses. And they're looking for full-platform capabilities, so everything from identification of target accounts to engaging those car- target accounts across their channels and tools of, of choice and then measuring all those capabilities with one tool. So I guess strategically uh, the ABM market is pretty saturated. There's a lot of point solutions and different folks that, if they didn't originally set out to solve an ABM kind of challenge or be in that market, they have uh, aligned to that that uh, kind of growth in the market and that that interest in ABM. It's very it's very popular. It still is very popular as a category, and because of that, we're really looking for green space and aligning our solution and our go-to-market strategy to the two areas of the market where we feel like are simply underserved by the capabilities that the other partners might have today. And so that's where you get this bifurcated approach and two very distinct markets looking for two distinct solutions.
0: And presumably that impacts how you as works. do your marketing. You, you have to treat those two audiences very differently.
1: It absolutely. I mean, we've learned that it, it's best if we're very, very thoughtful about how we go to market because they're different, as you can imagine, different buyers, different level of complexity, different members of the buying committee, different needs, different messages, different ABM maturity, etc. And so it, it really um, is very specific. And so we've built our internal teams and our approaches to be as relevant and also thoughtful, I guess, in in our approach and make sure that all the the mechanics of go to market are there. And we're doing all the right things in terms of paying ourselves back and supporting growth in those two areas.
0: And I guess, I, I assume you're going to say something about ABM when I start asking you about tactics and how you approach actually getting the message to those two audiences.
1: Yeah, we definitely eat our own cooking, as my head of sales likes to say, and and it may or may not surprise you that for RollWorks, we don't have a separate demand gen team that is distinct from our ABM team. In fact, we sort of see... ABM and demand gen is one of the same. In many ways, ABM is just our mindset or our North Star and how we approach going to market in a highly aligned and highly efficient way. That's definitely very much true. We're a last-touch attribution house formally, and so us and everyone else on the planet will see if they're a last-touch attribution house that their most successful <laughs> tactics are going to be anything that offers something that is as close to give me a a meeting with sales as as possible. So those hand-raising calls to action are are obviously going to show up as the last thing that someone did before they booked a meeting and then ultimately down the road bought your product. Specifically for us, I'll give Drift a shout out here because uh, Drift is a, a chat solution, but they also have this capability that allows folks to kind of skip the form and choose a time and day that works for them to meet with a salesperson. So it eliminates that friction Um, And then on the on the back end, of course, it eliminates the drop off that you typically see between somebody submitting a form requesting to speak to sales and when you can actually get them scheduled and to show up. And so Drift actually is our number one source of demand, in part because we're a last touch attribution house and that's just how the, the everything shakes out. But in part because it's a it's a really friction free process. But beyond sort of last touch, we obviously know that there's other important motions, other important touches, I should say, in the demand creation motion. You have to source buyers. We have to accelerate them along the process. And and at Roleworks, the marketing team is also responsible for retention and expansion as well. So really, there's a lot that goes into it. So we do very carefully look at what what brings folks in, what sort of moves them along, what converts them, what um, encourages them to stay with us and, and, and buy additional things. And, and so we're very prescriptive in how we approach how are we going to resource these different types of motions. And depending on where we're seeing gaps in our funnel, that's where we shift our attention and then invest in the right tactics at every sort of stage, depending on what impact we're focused on.
0: And I'm interested, you've obviously said that you invest in, in different tactics, even though you, you really focus attribution on the last touch. And clearly, I mean, you're on a podcast, which is classic top of the funnel stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you justify investment when you're not actually measuring ROI directly for that activity?
1: Yeah, I guess there's two two answers to the, the question. One is, is I think regardless of what the tactic is or what purpose it has, that you should always as best you can, <laughs> try to tie that investment, whether it's an investment in time or investment, financial investment, to the, 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 the most um, meaningful business outcome that you can. I think as an orientation, and because of the capabilities of different tools and technologies and measurement capabilities that is standard today, we, we are obligated as marketers to always try to connect our actions to business outcomes. Having said that, there is going to be a certain piece where it's very intangible. I was on a podcast a a couple weeks ago and I had a a customer, actually the decision maker for a really important customer who we had been trying to get connected with in terms of an executive sponsor relationship and she had been sort of not um, very responsive and she happened to hear me on a podcast and reached out to our contact and was like, I would like to speak to your VP of marketing because I really like some of the things that she was saying. I mean, what are the odds, right? So, you know, in that case, that was the quote measurement, but obviously it's anecdotal and it's, it's difficult to scale. So I think the second part of the answer, Mike, is that I am one of the most data-driven business folks out there, but I even I know that there is going to be a part of marketing that is just intuitively right and that is where there's a period at the end of that sentence. I think you have to be comfortable with a certain amount of ambiguity and that your instinct on yes, this matters, yes, this is going to drive action, yes, this is worth my time. And it, it, it pushes the initiatives of a business forward, even though I can't see it in my quote unquote sources of, of revenue. We have to be somewhat comfortable for that level of ambiguity. Yeah, I guess I'm talking out both sides of my mouth, but it it is a complicated field. (laughs) So you know, stay attached to business outcomes as best you can, but then leave room for the fact that you just aren't gonna be able to measure every single thing.
0: That's fascinating. I mean, things are not black and white, I guess. And and I'm interested because Rollworks has somewhat changed its strategy on pricing. A couple of years ago, Rollworks was very aggressive and very open about its pricing. Mm -hmm. And now you've chosen to take that off the website and you have to actually ask for the pricing. I'm interested to know what drove the decision to change the strategy there.
1: You just caught us in a moment of transition, honestly, Mike. Uh, We definitely believe in transparency in the buying process, including being upfront about our price points and and particularly our starting price, because it is resetting the standard in the market uh, for what ABM platforms, full ABM platforms with four ABM platform capabilities ought to, to cost which, you know, uh, is you know less than $1,000 uh, per month um, as, a, as a starting point. It's just that we're actually changing our pricing and packaging model a bit in the background. So to not confuse existing customers that are, are going through the sales process now uh, before we've been able to publish it. So stay tuned. In, a, in, in just a short while, we'll have pricing back up on the website. But regardless of the, the details, we definitely remain committed to being you know, the right priced ABM solution and, and make sure that all businesses, regardless of their size or ABM sophistication, have a a package that works for them, both in terms of the impact they're looking to drive and the the price point that is accessible uh, for their particular budget.
0: What a great answer. I mean, I love the fact that you are committed to transparency and price. I think a lot of people get frustrated by the you know kind of opaque pricing that some people produce and, and I suspect because we record these podcasts in advance probably by the time this podcast is released actually you'll be back and you may well have the pricing on the site people will be asking why I asked such a crazy question but it was fascinating <laughs> to get your answer.
1: Yeah, no worries. But I think I, I agree with you. I think transparency is key, especially as we know that buyers are doing almost all of their research ahead of time. A lot of times, the folks that are doing that research and making a recommendation, they're putting together a, a business case, they may be a more junior level person. So they really want as much detail as possible before they present at least their top a few vendors to select. And We're just realists in that and and just want to support folks finding the right tool for them.
0: That's awesome. Jade, you've been a great guest. It's been really interesting. We we normally ask a couple of sort of quickfire questions. So I'm going to dive into it now as we we come to the end of the interview. The first question is, what's the best bit of marketing advice you've ever been given?
1: Ooh, uh, I don't know that I... I don't know if I recall a particular piece of marketing advice, but I definitely remember one of my early, early sales counterparts. He had this phrase that he would say about sales, which I actually think applies very much to marketing, B2B marketing, and that is you eat what you kill. And I think that idea that you benefit from the revenue that you drive is very important for marketers to ingest and, and live by. It's both important for from a career security and career advancement perspective, but also from the perspective of accessing resources internally, right? Commanding the attention of folks that you need to command attention, getting alignment and getting support. In, in many ways, I agree with my CFO that revenue solves all problems right? And so it needs to be the number one focus of your marketing organization. It's not simply a demand gen function. It is the responsibility of everyone in marketing, period. So I guess that's what I would say is just keep that in mind. That's what someone told me about sales. And boy, it's not just sales, it's marketing too.
0: I love that. That's great. Another thing I'm interested, you know, a lot of things are happening at the moment in marketing, particularly with AI coming in and disrupting. Mm. if somebody asked you, you know, they're at the start of the career whether they should go into marketing or not, what would be your advice?
1: I'm not sure it's related to AI, but I absolutely think marketing is oftentimes the unsung hero. there, it's The good news, bad news is that we have the ability to impact so much in a business, culture, internal marketing, and, and sort of the perspective, the alliance that your employees have with the company, et cetera. It's, it's incredibly powerful. Um, but I, I think that what I often tell folks on my team, it's a personal mission of, of mine to get everyone aligned to this and also if when I have the opportunity to mentor young, younger folks, is that it is it is absolutely critical to invest in your own business acumen. I think it's becoming now more standard than not that businesses expect that the leaders in marketing will be business people first, marketers second. And I think that is a transition that has been happening over the last few years. And now what's absolutely key in order to, uh, going back to what I said, earn your seat at the table, earn, earn that seat at the strategic table, the, the table of the executives and, and the board, etc., is to really understand how every single ounce of your effort is driving business impact and being able to actually speak in terms of that those folks that are in those rooms understand which is ultimately about financial statements and in in dollars dollars and costs. I think that is um you know not necessarily something you could get in college t- typically but definitely through mentorship, definitely through LinkedIn learning and other sort of ways to educate yourself, exposure, etc. I think that's something that is, is absolutely critical. And no matter what role you take in marketing, that that is where you want to be where you're not simply a cost center with the way that we were 10 years ago, or 15 years ago, whatever it was, but you're really a strategic partner at the strategic table. And the only way to earn that seat and the only way to really belong there is to make sure that you're speaking the language of business, which is ultimately in, in terms of, of business outcomes and, and dollars and cents
0: that's i think really insightful advice i i've so enjoyed this conversation you've been very generous and kind with uh, all the information you've shared is there anything else you feel we should have covered or anything else you you wanted to talk about
1: i guess the only thing that comes to mind mike is i i'm lucky enough to talk to a lot of prospects and, and customers and because we sell to marketers i'm i'm lucky enough to talk to a lot of other marketing leaders marketing and sales leaders and typically what comes up these days is what's working now. There's been so many changes. A lot of businesses are experiencing, you know, not to sound morbid, but depression in in things that are are core, like site traffic, leads generated, business. Uh, A lot of folks are experiencing churn problems and, and they've never really had that before. or marketing hasn't really focused on retention or expansion motions. And so one thing that often comes up is, you know, what's working today? What's changed? How are you succeeding in spite of the environment? And what I hear over and over again, if I could just you know share this one tidbit, it's fresh off the press, not even really research, but more uh, insights from the field, is that people are really laser focused on really understanding in market signals at the person and, and the account level. The idea here is that um, there are fewer buyers in market, but fewer doesn't mean zero. So as long as you can be laser focused on identifying, those buyers that are the right fit for your organization and acting upon them in a relevant way, you're going to set yourself up for success. You're going to set yourself up for success today, but also in the future when maybe there's more abundance and fewer buyers becomes, once again, many buyers. So um, there's a lot of ways to do that. Data, of course, is your friend. RollWorks does offer five distinct buying signals. And so a lot of times when I talk to our customers or, you know, transparently they're they're talking to me about of those different signals but regardless of whether you're a rollworks customer or not i still think it's a relevant piece of advice is is um you know there's a lot of different ways that you could spend your energy but with fewer resources getting laser focused on those accounts and and people that are the right for, for your organization and are showing that they're actually looking to make a purchase decision sometime in the near future is going to absolutely pay you back in spades
0: that's fantastic advice i think you know, focus is always so important, but I think that, that insight about focusing on people who are in market is something a lot of people are talking about. I, I really love that idea. Yeah. So, Jodie, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time. If people have questions or just want to learn more about Roleworks, where's the best place to get a hold of you?
1: I mean, I, you can always find me on LinkedIn. You can also find me you know, just through email. My my email address is, is jsaratani at rollworks.com So you can you can find me there as well. If you'd like to email me directly, I'm happy to have a chat. I always find that you know, there's a lot of quote unquote thought leaders out there. I definitely do not consider myself a thought leader. I'm more of a practitioner and I love to talk to other practitioners and get the real stories about what's happening and share you know a few tips and uh, tricks that I've I've been learning as as uh, as uh, someone facing the same challenge as everyone else. So feel free to reach out.
0: That's that's very kind. Giving your email address out, I really appreciate it, Jody. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Marketing B two B Tech. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you did, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast application. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at napierb2b.com or contact me directly on LinkedIn.